0: It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellie. Coming up on episode number 20 of Sports Day Plus. I'm done at 6.45 today as high school football is coming your way at 7. pregame at 6.45. Before that, though, at 6.15, it is the first of a two-segment chat with expert sports handicapper Sammy P for his weekly breakdown of the best games from the college and pro football weekend. And a mere seconds, the Longhorns are in Fort Worth tomorrow, focused on taking that next step toward a Big 12 championship game. I am your host, Trey Elling, give me a follow on Twitter at Courtesy Wave, and do the same for ESPN Austin at 1027 ESPN. As I talked about yesterday, Quinn Ewers will be back in the saddle for this Texas Longhorn football team as they return to action and return to the road, for that matter, after two home games tomorrow evening in Fort Worth against the TCU Horn Frogs. And while TCU was the national runner-up last year, making it all the way to that championship game before getting boat raced by Georgia, this is a very different team that the Longhorns will be facing tomorrow, a team that they lost to here in Austin last year. It is a team that lost a lot, especially on offense, which was far and away the best part of TCU's game last season. New quarterback, new running backs, New wide receivers, replace some guys on the offensive line too, and obviously not nearly as much of a challenge for a Texas team that does have Big 12 championship and college football playoff aspirations right now. Having said that to start this week. This game seemed very much uncertain with the status of quarterback Quinn Ewers still being sidelined with an AC joint injury, and Malik Murphy being very up and down in his two starts for the Longhorns this year. An easy win over BYU, I guess you could say, even if Malik was a bit of a roller coaster ride as a signal caller, and then a game against Kansas State where he started hot and then completely fell apart over the last two-plus quarters, nearly costing Texas a win. But ultimately, he was able to drive them down the field at the end of regulation and not turn the football over in overtime to allow Bird Auburn to kick a go-ahead field goal, and the Texas defense did its job. But with Steve Sarkeesian announcing yesterday that Quinn Ewers would be back as the starting quarterback for this football team, Longhorns fans, myself included, feel much better about the prospects of winning tomorrow. But hopefully, the team is not taking that for granted. Because even though TCU is not very good on offense and still pretty bad on defense, they were also bad on defense last year. This is a team that has shown the ability to throw the football around at times. And if there is a concern that you have for the Texas defense, which is the biggest reason why you believe that the Longhorns can accomplish greater things this year, it is the level of play on defense, especially that defensive front. The secondary does still have its issues. Now, every secondary is going to give up passing yards from time to time. That is just this era of college football where so much is given to the offense in helping it to succeed. But TCU, their young quarterback, inexperienced quarterback, Josh Hoover, who is a backup but is filling in for the injured starter Chandler Morris right now, has had a couple of really nice games this year while also still throwing the football in games where he's going over 300 yards passing. But he has gone over 300 yards passing, and if Texas is either sloppy on offense, not taking care of the football, giving TCU short fields, he would be able to capitalize on something like that. But you hope that's not as much of a concern now with Quinn Ewers in there. Quinn is no doubt going to have to knock some rust off, And you do wonder just how limited he is going to be, especially throwing the football down the field. Because the AC joint injury, it really zaps your arm strength. And so my guess is that Steve Sarkeesian is testing him less early on and really giving him a chance to get that arm warmed up. It's going to be a cold one in Fort Worth tomorrow. I mean, you feel the temperatures here in Austin. It's going to be about the same thing in Fort Worth tomorrow night, a game that kicks off at 6.30. So it will only be getting colder throughout the evening. And I've been clamoring this for this for a couple of weeks now with Malik Murphy back there to take some of the pressure off of his shoulders. I would love to see a game where you are riding Jonathan Brooks and C.J. Baxter's abilities a little bit more at running back. Brooks, one of the top rushers in the Big 12 and in the entire country. And C.J. Baxter, he's still healthy and running very hard too. And this Texas offensive line, while they have been maligned, Based on some pretty telling grades from Pro Football Focus and how they've been a better group pass blocking than run blocking this year, much to the surprise of many, seemed to do a better job on the run blocking side of things last weekend. So, can they keep that up this weekend? I think they can. And I think to ease Quinn back into action and also help him to avoid injury, maybe you do run the football a little bit more tomorrow. While also telling Quinn, please, I know picking up that extra yard or two might seem worth it. And you want to do everything to help your team win games. We love your renewed attitude this year, your renewed commitment to this football team. But we need you to slide to see another play or another drive. You cannot take any hard shots. You cannot initiate hard shots. That's why I want to see Steve Sarkeesian calling plays. It's allowing Quinn Ewers to get the ball out quickly. The offensive line's done a good job of protecting the quarterbacks this year, but you still don't want to leave that to chance if you can help it. This Texas defense, though, the defense defensive front, especially, has been something special to watch, especially when they're all systems go. And this does feel like maybe with the exception of Quinn Ewers being at seventy or eighty percent right now, whatever that percentage is, the rest of this football team is as healthy as they've been since maybe game one of the season. You might get Jalen Catalan back at safety tomorrow night, and all of a sudden you feel much better at safety with Jalen Catalan and Derek Williams back there. Sorry, Michael Taft fans. Look, I I like him as a backup. He's done a great job of getting to the football at times and being Johnny on the spot with a ball that pops up and right into his arms. Love the interception total, but he is also a step slow at times, too. Don't even get me started on Keaton Crawford or whatever the heck happened to Jaron Thompson this year. But safety looks better. Cornerbacks have been a little bit up and down, but with more competence at safety, their job gets a little bit easier too. And the linebackers have really regrouped after a couple of tough games. Speaking specifically about Jalen Ford, Uh, David Bended to a lesser degree, although he's seen less snaps. Anthony Hill playing more traditional linebacker reps. Maurice Blackwell is out there a little bit more in sort of a linebacker safety hybrid position. They've been better over the last couple of games after a tough two-game stretch, especially for Jalen against OU and then Houston. And then this defensive line is one that we'll be talking about years from now, especially the two guys in the middle. Devondre Sweat and Byron Murphy have made themselves a lot of money this year and have made it Pretty impossible to run on this Texas defense this season, even for a team last weekend like Kansas State, who's one of the best rushing attacks in college football this year. When you take into account two really good running backs and quarterbacks, both with Will Howard and Avery Johnson, who had the ability to pick up yards with their legs as well, that was completely neutralized in the first half last weekend. And credit for that goes to the Texas defensive front, starting with the defensive line, of course, and then the linebackers coming in and cleaning up plays too. Ethan Burke being back out there and healthy made a big difference. Justice Finkley was maybe the weak link last weekend, but I'm having to say that in air quotes because he was even okay. Alfred Collins seemingly getting closer to his potential this year, his final year with the Longhorns. And you have plenty of other guys serving in backup roles who also have come in and done an admirable job at times this year. Vernon Broughton is one that comes to mind. And oh, by the way, can't forget Baron Sorrell, He has done a lot of dirty work this year and doesn't necessarily have the stats to show for as good of a season as he's having right now. He has been a crucial member of this Texas defensive line. I think a lot of his teammates would point to him and just uh, some of the unheralded things that he has helped this defense out with at times this year. Excited to see what Quinn Ewers looks like tomorrow night. We will continue the Texas TCU conversation coming up next... With my friend Sam Paniotovic. He's one of the best sports handicappers around. And every Friday starting at 6.15, we talk about the big games of the weekend, and that always does include the Texas game. It's coming up next here on Sports Day Plus. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Elling. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Elling. It is a Friday at 6.15, means it's time to spend a couple of segments with my friend Sam Paniadovich. He is one of the best sports handicappers around. He is better known as Sammy P and does great work for Nesson up in Boston, Fox Sports, and the Chicken Dinner Podcast. And he's nice enough to join me every Friday to break down the football weekend. Sam, thank you as always for the time. How you doing today?
1: Good, Trey. Hope you're doing as well as I am. I, I will tell you, though, there's nothing quite like being at the New Orleans airport. You get off the plane, it's 27 7 Texas, <laughs> and you got the under 50. And you're thinking, all right, it's the end of the third quarter. Like, Texas is going to lock this thing down. By the time I got in my Uber, it was like tied. And I, I had no, and I'm texting you, like, what the hell just happened?
0: Yeah. Two turnovers and three touchdowns in under four minutes will flip a twenty point game real fast. As we saw as we saw this last weekend. That was brutal to watch. I can only imagine how confused you were when you got that update fifteen minutes after you had checked the score and saw that it was tied up like that.
1: Yeah, we still had a winning week. I mean, you wanna make the right bets. You wanna have a good process. We ended up going three and two with our picks last week on your show and um, the other loss was Dallas plus three. and you you know you get inside the ten yard line, what three times in the fourth quarter and come away with six points. It's like this is what happens. Gambling is awesome, but gambling also sucks at times. and And when you lose two games like that, I mean, you're in a good spot going into the fourth quarter and in the fourth quarter, you you sort of have to live with the losses sometimes.
0: Yeah, it's better to have a situation like that versus your call not being anywhere close where it's like justifiable. Like this is why I called it this way. If this team had just executed in this situation, they would have made me look like uh like I was uh like I was extremely bright here because everybody was was veering away from the Cowboys in that game last weekend and I was sitting there watching the end of it as Philadelphia commits a pass interference and there's another penalty that they commit to put Dallas uh, at around the 10-yard line but then Dallas starts shooting itself in the foot too it's just funny how sports plays out sometimes
1: yep in this NFL man it is you know you can have a game right for three quarters and then in the fourth quarter everything goes south it's it's a fascinating sport. The fact that we wager our hard-earned money out of it is sometimes very, very annoying. But then, you know, at the end of the day, Trey, you look at the, the market to win the NFC conference, and it's, you know, Eagles, Niners, Cowboys. Like, those are still the three heaviest hitters, despite a nice push from Detroit, and maybe Seattle's okay. It's, it's really still the same three that we thought coming into the year, it's Philly, San Francisco and then Dallas.
0: That's a great point. All right, let's get to the college games now. We're gonna start with the game involving the team here in Austin. The game itself is up in Fort Worth, of course. Number seven, Texas at TCU. This is a line that went from ten on Thursday morning, excuse me, to uh jumping two and a half points once Steve Sarkeesian announced that Quinn Ewers would be his starting quarterback tomorrow night. That line does still sit at twelve and a half right now. Uh, Do you like that line? Do you like the over-under at 55.5 or anything else about this game?
1: I'm not really that interested. I do think if you can
0: find a 55, that's not bad to go over 55. My
1: real concern with this game, and again, I haven't made any positions yet, I don't know if viewers can throw the ball deep. And if if he can't, it's going to really hinder a lot of what they want to do. Obviously, he's better than Murphy. And if they had to go to Arch Manning, yours is clearly the better option. I'm not even going down that road, but what made him so great is that he could basically make any play on the field. You know, he could, he could run for these first downs. He could, he can hit those accurate throws down the middle, but he could also take the top off off the cover of a defense. And all the reports all week have said, Sark is going to see how he can throw and then he will decide. Well, Sartre's never going to tell us, like, hey, he can't throw it 40 yards. <laughs> so we really we don't know. I would think we see more points uh, than we saw last week. It's just TCU is also so volatile. I mean, we've seen them lose as a 20-point favorite to Colorado in the most confusing result of the season. We've also seen them win games as a double-digit dog. It's just really a game that I don't feel like there's much of an edge on.
0: Yeah, as a matter of fact, Sarkisian and his presser with the media yesterday was asked if Quinn is able to do everything on Saturday. He gave a very curt answer, and Sark is pretty see-through when he's BSing the media. So it does seem like Quinn yours is, one, he's not going to be at 100%, which doesn't surprise anybody, but he may be limited in terms of throwing that football down the field as well. All right, uh, moving on now to some of the ranked matchups in college football this weekend. Utah is number 18. They're at number five, Washington. The Huskies outlast USC last weekend, leading to Lincoln Riley firing Alex Grinch. Washington returns home as nine-point favorites on a Utah team that, to their credit, minus who was supposed to be their starting quarterback this season, has still done a pretty good job in the tough Pac-12 this year. I just don't know if I'm buying their offense enough to think that they can stick with this Washington team, though. Do you like uh, Utah or Washington with the Huskies as nine-point favorites or anything about the 49-and-a-half over-under?
1: We've seen the Sharps come in and, and take the points, actually. This open nine-and-a-half. We've seen respect for Utah, but, Trey, they're just they're such a well-coached team and they don't make a lot of mistakes. And I also think Utah can confuse Michael Penix, maybe unlike any of the teams uh, he's seen so far this season, aside from, obviously, Oregon that has a very good team and a well-coached defense. I mean, Washington has played like Boise State, Tulsa, Michigan State, Cal, Arizona, Arizona State, Stanford, USC. Those are all bad defenses. The concern for Utah is that they fall behind 14-0 and then they're cooked because this is clearly not a team that can play from behind. But this has the feelings of one of those weird spots where maybe Washington doesn't play a game where they score, you know, 35, 40 points because Utah is going to do one thing, man. They are going to run the ball. They are going to play good defense up front, and they are going to try and win the time of possession. I lean to the dog, and I certainly respect the sharp move against Washington. It's fun to look at Michael Penix's numbers, but when you understand who he's played, maybe it's not that impressive. Hmm.
0: I have no good feel on number 13 Tennessee at number 14 Missouri. The Vols are two and a half point favorites. The over under is 58 and a half. Do you have a feel on this game one way or the other?
1: It's hard to take an under in a Missouri game. I mean, these hmm. things are just shooting up and down the field. Uh, this is a high total. You know, it's 59 for an SEC game. That's that's not bad. But then you, you go back and you close your eyes and you think about that Missouri and LSU game. I mean, I think they're still scoring points. That was a, a 49-39 final. I mean, we've seen them go up and down the field with Memphis and Kansas State and Vanderbilt and Kentucky and and then last week, look, I was impressed with the way that Missouri put up 21 points on Georgia. I mean, that, that's a Georgia defense that continuously breeds NFL players. I, I have no idea who wins. I'm inclined to think we get points, though. And I, I would probably bet over 58, 58 and a half.
0: One of your two money picks in college is number three, Michigan at number 10, Penn State. You're not touching the Michigan by four and a half, but you do like the over in this one, which right now sits at 44 and a half. Why?
1: It's so funny because my final score is 35 to 20. And I could, obviously, if I give you that score, I could have gone Michigan or I could have gone over. I, 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 I'm siding with the over because I feel like Jim Harbaugh is waiting to flip the bird to everybody. Like, you know, if they get up, he's going to run this thing up. And he's going to try to at least. Um, They also, Michigan, sort of needs some style points there because while, yes, they're undefeated and, yes, they're in the college football playoff, if the season were to end today, dude, who's their best win? Minnesota? I mean, they need to prove that they can put away good teams. And Penn State is a good team. Not a great team. This coach historically chokes in big games, and I think Penn State's defense is good but not great. Michigan's going to score. I mean, this is the best quarterback Harbaugh's had in Ann Arbor, J.J. McCarthy. He can do it he can do it all. He's a throw, throw, throw first guy, but he can also run and move about the pocket. Michigan's going to score. But I think while the Wolverines' defense is exceptionally talented, they haven't really been tested, man. I mean, look at the schedule. I I, mean, I just told you, like, the best game is probably at Minnesota. They haven't faced a good quarterback yet. And this Drew Aller kid might be an NFL quarterback one day. I think we're in this situation where Michigan jumps ahead early, but you're going to see some trick plays, maybe a flea flicker touchdown. Maybe we get a kick return or a punt return. But Penn State can get me to 17, and that's really the magic number. If Penn State gets to 17, Michigan will score at least four touchdowns. They're going to pour it on late. I'm going over 45. And it's funny, a lot of the people on Twitter, a lot of these – People that brag about making all this money, they're all talking about the under, because these are two great defenses. <laughs> well, the line opened 43, and now it's 45. So where's the money really going?
0: And why is your other money pick? UCF is two-and-a-half-point home dogs against Oklahoma State.
1: It's funny because you asked me about this game last week, the pokes and the Sooners. And I said, I'm not laying that with Oklahoma. There is no way Yeah. Uh, I have a feeling the the dog is live here. Now, look, I didn't call my shot. I didn't say the Pokes were going to win outright, but it, when a book opens a game six or six and a half, it, it sort of tells you the story. And remember Oklahoma opened up minus six against Oklahoma state and Obviously the pokes win the game outright, but now that everybody wants to bet the pokes after nobody wanted to bet the pokes last week, this is that, this is that trap game. This is that pie on the, on the bed sheet. You go for the pie, you fall in the hole. Um, Why is this, why is this number only two and a half? Why isn't it three? Why isn't it three and a half? I mean, this is a first place team in the big 12 going on the road to a team that has one conference win. Why is it only two and a half? Well, because, Look, UCF was banged up at quarterback for the majority of the part of this season, majority of the early part of the season, rather. Plumlee was hurt. Uh, He had a knee injury, but he's about as healthy as he's been. And look, they've been in some really close games. You know, they lose to Baylor by one. Uh, They were neck and neck with Kansas for three quarters. uh, or Kansas State, excuse me. They lose at Oklahoma by two. This team has been in most of its games this season. And then you also think about their four and five. This is the season for UCF. They win this game. They're probably going to be bowl eligible because you can split against Texas Tech and Houston. You can get to six wins. So this is the the all hands on deck game for UCF. And I think this line tells a story. The bounce house is never easy to play in. I think the pokes go down this weekend in Orlando.
0: All right, love to hear it. He is Sammy P. joins me every week for a couple of segments to break down the college and pro football weekends. Coming up, we will get to the pro side of things with some of the best games that the NFL has to offer. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellie. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Elling. Back with one more segment with Sammy P, a.k.a. Sam Paniadovich. He is one of the best sports handicappers around. He owns his craft on Nessen up in Boston for Fox Sports, the Chicken Dinner Podcast. Follow him on Twitter at SPShoot and hear him on this show for a couple of segments every Friday starting at 6.15. Sam, we shift our attention to the NFL now, and I got to give you credit because last week you mentioned the Bears as one of your money picks in a truly putrid looking game with Chicago playing at New Orleans but you turned out to be right and you were actually watching that game in person with some friends at the Superdome last weekend how the hell did you know to pick the Bears even though they were going to go on to turn the football over something like four or five times
1: they should have won the game outright and I'm not just saying that because I had Bears plus eight and a half I mean it I was ready to like jump off the ledge because (laughs) New Orleans had the ball so many times inside the bear 20. I want to say there were three trips inside the 20 and they came away with no points, which was unbelievable. But at the same time, Trey, the Chicago bears hell of a cover there. They turned the ball over five times and still covered. That is all that matters at the end of the day. I mean, we talk about bad beats all the time. That was a lucky win. It, it sealed a winning week for us here and for your audience. But you did say, you're like, why am I betting Bears plus 8.5? Well, because clearly <laughs> it was the right side. And uh, when you turn it over five times and still cover, that is more proof that it was the right side.
0: Yeah, no kidding there. So uh, as far as this week in the NFL goes, one of the games of the week, surprising to everybody considering what they th- what we thought they would be at the start of the year, is the Houston Texans at the Cincinnati Bengals, the Texans are getting healthier as the Bengals are a little bit banged up. But since he has been playing really good ball for the last month now, uh, since he is six-and-a-half-point favorites, the over-under is 46-and-a-half. Do you like uh, either team in either situation here?
1: I am all eyes on the injury report, buddy. I, uh, I just saw a tweet. There's a really good account on Twitter. It's called Underdog NFL. And I honestly, I'm, I'm not lying here, I have notifications to my phone from this account. It's an aggregate list from beat writers and reporters. And it basically summarizes who will play, who won't play, who's in, who's out. And 24 minutes ago, it said Jamar chase was listed questionable for week 10. Oh, wow. So I I mean, that's, and again, we won't, we won't know for sure until Sunday, if he's going to play or not, because these things kind of simmer over the weekend, but you know, Higgins is out, which has been reported already today. And chase is questionable. I don't know how you can lay six and a half of Cincinnati. And it's not like I'm drinking the Kool-Aid on Houston. Um, I was not high on them this year. I didn't have them over the win total. I didn't have them under either. I just, I didn't know what Houston was. And clearly this quarterback has a big NFL arm and, and assuming he stays healthy, he's going to be fine for the next five, 10 years. I just, I can't lay Cincinnati. If Burrow is potentially without chase and Higgins. Now they played without Higgins before, but if Chase is not going to play, and again, it, it sounds like it's 50-50, it's hard to get involved, and it's hard to lay almost a touchdown with Cincinnati. We've also seen a lot of sharp play on Houston. This, this number opened eight last Sunday, and you know market currently sits six and a half, six. So the Sharps took anything seven or higher with Houston. It all makes sense. It's a good number, but you have to, you have to be sure of DeMar Chase's health before you get involved.
0: Now, your two money picks this week involve two of the better games in the NFL. One is the 49ers in Jacksonville, both teams coming off of buys. Even though the game is in Florida, the 49ers are three-point favorites. Why do you like them right now?
1: I don't think there was a team in the NFL that needed the bye week more desperately than the Niners did. I mean, they were hobbled offensively. Debo missed some time. The left tackle, Trent Williams missed some time, and they just couldn't hang with Joe Burrow and the Bengals the last time we saw San Francisco. Well, they've had two weeks to get healthy, get everything acclimated, regroup, Debo's a full go. Trent Williams returned to practice yesterday. So let's assume that those two play. It puts everybody back in their roles. It, it allows Brock Purdy to be more efficient and deliver the ball to different areas. It takes some stress off Christian McCaffrey, it allows Brandon Ayuk to go to the other side of the field, and it also opens up George Kittle. So putting those two chess pieces back on the board, and clearly Debo is a queen on the chessboard. He can go all over the field in any direction. It makes life easier for the entire offense, and Shanahan off of bye has been pretty good in his career. Now, look, Jacksonville is good. I don't know that Jacksonville is great. They have morphed into in one of the better teams in the league, and Trevor Lawrence has clearly taken that next step. But this is a flex game for a great team against a good team, a muscle game, as I call it. And I'm going to lay three with the Niners here. I I think the Jags are shaping up to be sort of that public, trendy underdog. And that doesn't mean they can't win. I just think when healthy, the Niners are much better than Jacksonville. And we also will probably see Bosa and Chase Young together for the first time. Good luck, Trevor Lawrence. Good luck.
0: Yeah, no kidding. And Cleveland-Baltimore is the other big game this weekend. The, the uh, Ravens have been gangbusters against the best teams on their schedule so far this year. And they are six and a half point favorites at home against a Cleveland team that looks like it's starting to get its act together. And you actually like the Browns as a six and a half point dogs. Why?
1: It's so funny how the, the brain works inside of a gambling season because I, I do have Baltimore over the win total and the win the division. <laughs> Yet I'm betting against Baltimore this week because these are just these are tough games to win big. And, I mean, we saw a perfect example last week. The Eagles you know, couldn't put away the Cowboys and vice versa, right? I mean, that was a very close game until the very end. There will be no punches pulled, no tricks pulled off in this game because the Browns and Ravens, know each other better than anybody. This is too many points to lay against a very good, defensively charged division rival. Miles Garrett might be the best player on the field. And as I've already basically said, the Browns know the Ravens very, very well. And, and here's the other caveat of this game. Uh, I do a weekly hit with John Murray from uh, the Westgate Superbook in Vegas. We do it on Nesson and I always tweet it out. And he said that the Ravens are one of the most popular sides, not only of the week, but of the season. People are lining up to lay Baltimore, minus six, minus six and a half. They're putting the Ravens and all these money line parlays. And yet, Trey, that line has not gotten the seven yet. Hmm. So clearly there's resistance, respected players like six and a half. I'm in that boat as well. Not that I'm a respected player, but I respect the respected players. And there's a reason this thing hasn't touched seven yet. It's also a low total, 38. So it's not going to be a freewheeling up the field game. This is a tight divisional battle, 20-17, to 23-20 type final. Uh, I took six and a half with Cleveland.
0: Sam, I need to ask you a college basketball question because you tweeted out a little bit earlier today that you you tweeted out a ticket from Circa, which is where I'm going to be cashing in my uh, $7,000 Texas Rangers ticket next week, that you took Kentucky just before the season started. On a uh, plus 1700 you put $1,000 on Kentucky. If this hits, you win $17,000. Why do you like Kentucky this year?
1: Most talented team he's had since that 2014-2015 like, window when he had the Carl Anthony Townses and the Devin Bookers and James Young and the Harrison Twins. This is as talented a recruiting class that Cal has had. He's got three five-stars. Um, freshmen that are on the squad. He also has the uh, son of Dewan Wagner, who was a lottery pick uh, in the NBA many years ago. But also there's some seniority here. He has Trey Mitchell, uh, who trans- transferred in from West Virginia. That's the guy who could be an 18-point, 10-rebound-per-night guy if all things go to plan. Uh, this team is probably going to go through some ups and downs over the course of the season, but uh, we've already seen them just blow away inferior opponents Um, it's a very good team, and I think the number was wrong. Now, Circa had 17-1. to Uh, There were some books, like DraftKings and FanDuel had 12. One book had a 14. So, clearly, I I, I tried to get the best number here. You might be able to find an 18 if you get more creative, but uh, Circa takes big bets. I mean, they don't think twice about taking a dime on a future. Uh, I had Kansas two years ago. That worked out well. I had Texas last year that Worked out until it didn't. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> yeah. Until they're you know they're basically nine minutes away from the final four, and and at that point you can do whatever you want with that ticket. You could hedge it, you could bet off it. But I've I've had a pretty good knack for not betting the best team, but betting the best number. And I, I do think Kentucky has final four talent, and I I do think Cal breaks through this year with a very very talented team in a wide open season. There is no dominant team. There's no UConn this year. There is no 2009 North Carolina. There is no dominant team, so Kentucky can certainly make a run here. And at 17 to one, I think that's a really good bet.
0: Last question, because you used to live in Vegas. I'm not a big Vegas guy. I've been there in like 15 or 20 years, but I will be there for a handful of days next week. I don't like sitting at a blackjack table. I'm not 80 years old, so I don't sit at the slot machines. What what should somebody like me do in the daytime? as I'm uh, kicking around finding, finding uh, ways to enjoy myself in Vegas.
1: So if you are going to Circa, they have this uh, venue outside. It's called Stadium Swim. Have you heard about it yet? Yep. Okay, it's the world's largest outdoor sports book. So, I mean, you have a little bit of time. I don't have the weather report for, uh, for you right now on uh, November 10th. I don't know exactly when you're going, but I still think it's going to be you know, in the 60s or, or low 70s you can basically lay out in the sun for 10 straight hours and stare up at this monstrous video board with all the games on you're outside, you're living life, you're having a nice cocktail or two or 10. That's what I would do. I'm with you, man. I, I, when I lived out there, I had to quit the tables, cold Turkey, because I worked in a casino every day. If I was still playing craps and roulette and blackjack, like I I'd probably be dead somewhere. You know, you just, you have to detach from the daily uh, gambling in terms of the chance game. So I'm with you. I'm not sitting at a blackjack table for four hours. But if you haven't been to Stadium Swim yet, after you cash your Rangers ticket, which again, hell of a bet. Hell of a bet. (laughs) Go spend a little money at Stadium Swim and sit outside.
0: All right. I appreciate it. He is Sam Paniotovic, a.k.a. Sammy P, one of the best sports handicappers around. He works at Nesson in Boston for Fox Sports, does the Chicken Dinner podcast. Check him out on Twitter at SPShoot and hear him on this show every Friday starting at 6.15. Sam, thank you as always for the time, my friend.
1: You got it. Good luck, everybody.
0: That is it for a Friday edition of the show. High school football coming up next. We'll be back on Tuesday at 6. In the meantime, everybody have yourselves a great weekend and hook them. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellick.